Welcome back to The Athletic Approach. Um, we're going into the final episode of the season, which is quite exciting. Time's blown. Um, and to kind of summarise um, sports psychology, um, we're going to go into sort of the myths that people have about sports psychology and some of the perceptions around it um, and to kind of just explain what it means to be a sports psychologist or to be in this kind of realm of um, this profession because there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to like watch out to make sure this doesn't become like a two and a half hour episode because I know you and I both could go for days about Honestly. this because... The misconceptions, the myths—they—they're everywhere in this world. Yeah, it's gonna—it's gonna be a run, but it's okay because it, it needs to be told. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess like one of the first myths about um, about sports psychology is that it's a quick fix, and that we can just literally have a magic wand, and you'll be—you know—you're going to be like the next like star player and everything's gonna go well you're gonna win every game and it's just not like that it's there's so much that plays into it there's it takes time first of all to build mental skills into a routine and to I guess even believe in it because a lot of people don't believe in sports psychology they don't believe in well it's quite ironic because a lot you, you know you'll ask coaches and things if how much does the mental side contribute to performance and a lot of the time they'll say that it's a lot but then nothing ever gets done they don't have yeah. a sports psych on their team um so it is it, you know it is there and sometimes it's already built into kind of your you know your training regimes um but it's not a quick fix it's nothing that's gonna make like i said it's nothing that's gonna make you the best player of all time it's such I, I wish it was <laughs> we it, life would be so easy and we would make disgusting amounts of money <laughs> if we could walk into a room wave a magic wand and everybody was incredible that's that'd be a dream come true like you said it's not it's it's a total process like it's just like anything in sports like you can't have a great strength and conditioning coach and then all of a sudden he waves his magic wand and boom everybody's like huge and strong and fast and the greatest athletes on the planet it doesn't work that way you have to show up to training you have to put in the work it's a direct parallel to our work you've got to show up you've got to buy in you have to do the stuff you have to have the conversations then over time is when you start to see some of the benefits that come with doing this work and implementing it into your program so yeah it, that's that's the most common one i think yeah. is People coming to me and be like, okay, well, my team or my athlete, they're, my child, they're, they're not focusing in practice or they play better in practice or a game. How, how do I help? Like, I'd love to, but you understand that, like, they're not going to be better by tomorrow. This is going to take some time. But it's, it's a battle I think we're going to always fight. Definitely. And as well, it's like these skills that you can take into other domains of life. So sports psychology and mental skills isn't just for sports so obviously throughout the season I've been talking about um like dance and you know some people think it's a sport some people think that it's not a sport I mean 
whatever you know like I think I do believe that dancers are athletes whether you think dance is a sport or not it's completely subjective um but still that's a performing art and then within the performing arts you've got actors musicians um even like producers directors they're under a lot of pressure as well and this stuff can be helped with that because essentially it is performance and you do face similar barriers or similar sort of difficult situations as athletes and then if you think about like even in medicine like medical doctors and things like that's another area where sports psychology can be used to deal with pressure when you're under pressure and how do you manage those difficult situations and then there's education obviously (laughs) the list just goes on yeah yeah, it's I I like that you know the field has the the title sports psychology because I come from a sports background, so it's cool to me to still be involved in sports. But it's so much bigger than that. I know in America, one of the largest employers of sports psychologists and mental performance coaches is actually the U.S. military. Same type of thing, under crazy amounts of pressure, working the highest stress job you could probably ever imagine. They need this stuff. They use this stuff. And so it's, it's that it's any type of performance. It's any type of high stress. This, this work has become a lot more popular in like the wall street realm of America people, you know, stockbrokers that are working gross amounts of hours every day and just under tons and tons of pressure and stress, they use these same tools and are taught these same things to make them perform better. And performance just looks different. That's the only thing that changes. The topics are the same. The lessons are the same. But the performance is is the differentiating factor between an athlete and a business person or a doctor or a teacher or a soldier, whatever it is. That's the only difference between it. Yeah, exactly. And you can use it in different stages of your life as well. Like, And, it, and even if you've come out of being an athlete or whatever, transitions are a big topic within sports psychology and how you deal with those transitions even just in life so even if you're someone going from from sort of high school into sixth form I don't know if you have sixth form in America but that's sort of college but it's not your college (laughs) it's a different college Um, and then to university um you know like in education you're going through these different transitions and you you're developing as a person as well and then there's Again, there's different areas. There's like your like biological growth. There's um, your social development. There's your, yeah, again, yeah, your physical development, uh, emotional development. It's just so much that changes. And again, this is where sports psychology can help you with these adjustments and how you make kind of what you will take from the transition and how you settle into a different life. And again, that's so similar to an athlete in the sense that you're going from say playing and training every day to no longer being an athlete. So again, you know, different stages of life, this can happen and whichever, whatever life is for you, it can, you know, still be very relevant. Yeah. Yeah, this stuff transitions far past just playing sports. Like we talked in last episode, relationships transcend sports. So do these skills. They're things that you'll utilize and you'll see yourself utilizing long after you're done playing and you're out into your career doing whatever it is you choose to do in this world. This stuff still plays there. It all still works. So understanding that 
yes, it's called sports psychology, but it's such a broader umbrella than just sports, yeah. organized sports. Um, the one of the other ones kind of in that that realm a little bit that I see a lot when I when I introduce this to people is if I talk to like a, a high school team or a college team, they're kind of like caught off guard because oftentimes there's this misconception that this is only for like the elite level people. This is for the pros. This is for the Olympians. And it is. But it's also for everybody else. Like they were the first people to get it. You know, as like new research is done and, you know, new things are breaking onto the scene, who gets it first? The top of the top. And then everybody else kind of starts to get on board, so on and so forth. It's this field has been on kind of the same trajectory as the strength and conditioning field back in like the 70s and 80s outside of like football, American football. <laughs> um, nobody was like in a weight room working out and trying to get bigger and faster and stronger. And then all of a sudden, like some basketball players in the 80s, one by the name of Michael Jordan, uh, started to figure out if I lift weights, I'm stronger and I play better. And some of the greats start to figure that out. And then it transitions and it goes and it goes. And here we are, you know, 30, 40 years later. And most high schools in America have a strength and conditioning program. It's made it from the NBA down to local high schools. Mm. And we're kind of on that same trajectory. It started with way up top they get all this new science all the mental skills and then it kind of moved down to high level colleges and then down a little bit more down a little bit more and now there's a lot of us working at the high school level and helping these kids out so it it's one of those things that just because you're not an olympian or a professional athlete it doesn't mean these skills don't apply to to your sport or your work definitely and as well, it's like this thing of just understanding that it's all, it's one of them where I'm trying not to contradict myself. But then again, it goes back to that point of it, of sports psychology not being a quick fix, because it then doesn't mean that you'll then become, it, it doesn't guarantee that you'll be an elite athlete, but you can then develop those qualities. Um <clears throat> But again, no matter what level, you know, if you're an amateur, if you just, even if you just wanted to participate in sport, but you're not very confident in participating or going to, um, to tryouts or whatever. So, <clears throat> so those things can really, you know, those mental skills can then help you even just at the very beginning, because again, it's well, you know, for example, goal setting, it's like, making sure that you maybe even try recreational sport for a bit and see how you find it and setting yourself those targets to go like every week and then building on from that. And again, you're not an elite athlete at that point and you can entail these, these mental skills. But again, like I said, you're not an elite athlete. You can be at any level, you can be at any sport. And even I really like the point that you made about strength and conditioning. Like sports science as a whole is something still very new. Um, and I'm beginning to sort of see it within the dance world. Like there's like dance science is becoming a thing. Um, and again, it's that appreciation for strength and like strength and conditioning, nutritionists, again, because eating disorders are a big thing with sort of within um, dancers. But again, 
these sort of professional backgrounds are coming into the scene a little bit and it's only a matter of time before sports psychology then kind of plays a role in this um but that i mean that's the beauty of sports psychology though isn't it um you know it can be it can you can use it in almost any aspect of life but it doesn't mean that anybody can just do it (laughs) oh yeah yeah, I knew I knew eventually we were going to get to this topic because it's it's like I guess it's a myth. It's a it's an issue. Yeah, is yeah. I guess um, kind of like you were saying, I'm not trying to you were kind of formulating how to say it in that last point. I got to do the same thing right here um, because this is this idea that everybody can can be a sports psych is like it's a, it's an issue. It's a, it's a big problem. And I'm not saying that like, you can't go to school and do this. Please do. We love this field, like do it. But that's the thing, go to school and do it the right way. Um, there, there's a reason you and I have been in school a long time and we're jumping through all these hoops and getting all these certifications and taking these exams and everything. It's a long process and that's the way it should be. So we're qualified and backed up to know that we're going to provide good work Mm -hmm. and we know what we're talking about and we understand the sports science behind it all. But the thing that as this field is growing and the idea of talking about mental health is growing, which are great things, people are kind of taking that as like a backdoor into this field. And I see more and more every day of people that were former athletes or have a big following on social media that are just out there, you know, broadcasting themselves as mental performance coaches or sports psychologists just because, you know, they they played for a long time or they they read a book and they just offer these <laughs> services with zero credentials, zero backing to what they're talking about. And that's becoming like a bigger and bigger issue day by day. Yeah, and that's the other thing as well. It's like it's calling yourself like a mind coach or a mental coach, like it's almost as if like if you don't call yourself a sports psychologist you can almost get away with still delivering the same services that a sports psych should and it's just oh it's just oh it's just one of them where you just you you just can't do it you just can't and it's like <laughs> you no matter what you call yourself like as long if you don't have the credentials then you're not qualified you can't practice in that way and it's like even like with me like at the minute like I'm just about to start like the trainee sports psychology process but it's but I've never said that I'm a qualified sports psychologist because I know I've done my stage one training and then I want to I'm going on to stage two training and that's something that's always been transparent and but I don't want to then say I'm a, I'm a sports psychologist like come to me for consultancy it's like no no it's purely educational and until I can get to that point that is when I can offer services and it's again like and it's the same goes that if you're interested in sports psychology you can educate people on it but it doesn't mean that you can offer any sort of behavior change well more psychological change in any way because you're not qualified to do that. You just can't do that. <laughs> you just can't. <laughs> yeah. I get, there's no better way to say it. You just, you just can't do it. It's, it's not okay. And it's, it's such, you can, I can see it with you. I know I can see it in myself. It's just so frustrating because you and I have spent, I know I went to school for over six years 
and went through all types of hours and exams and meeting with mentors and advisors and making sure I'm learning this stuff and I understand the why behind what I'm saying is right or wrong. And it's, it's not an easy process. And so to see somebody like just kind of cavaliering it for themselves and just kind of winging it because they want to, is just yeah. annoying. And I know not only is it like undermining the whole field and like taking advantage of all the work we've done, it, it's also just risky. Yeah. Like they're providing services, like you're saying, that they aren't qualified to provide. Yeah. And it's just such a dangerous realm. Like it, just don't do it. <laughs> exactly. As you said, just, just don't yeah. do it. It's so, it's so bad. Just please yeah. go to school. We love this field. Just do it the right way. Yeah, exactly. And it's just and just because someone is popular as well doesn't mean that they're qualified to do it. Yes, they probably do have the experiences that they can talk on and that they can bring into whatever, but it doesn't mean that they can they can practice as like the way that a sports psychologist does. And it's just again like you just don't get caught up in yeah the popularity their own experiences their achievements because you know they've done that they've been and done that and again maybe sports psychology did play a role in their career and they can talk about their experiences but it doesn't mean that they can do those services like they just yeah they just can't and yeah you know or like or even if so or again like if you you know if you're interested in this field don't think you can just read a book, <laughs> you know, and then like a self-help book. And then it means that you can practice like, and I see a lot of that as well. Like, you know, having that kind of, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's just, oh, <laughs> honestly, it's just frustrating yep. because you can't do it because yeah, it's good that you've got the experiences. Yeah. You're reading books, you're educating yourself, but you don't have the, the training and it's, and it takes a long time to get there and it's just a bit of a kick in the teeth when you know people are paying other people for these services when they're not even qualified and sports likes are underpaid as it is but that's a whole other thing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, there's just a lot of issues that come from it and it's just yeah like you said just yeah. doing it the right way yeah yeah it's like you said, the books out there, there's phenomenal sports psych books. I've read the majority of them, I'm sure. And they're great. Use that for yourself if you're not in a position to, if your team doesn't have a sports psych on staff or you're not able to get those services, do what you got to do. Educate yourself, learn about this stuff. But that doesn't mean you can just go out and teach it. Like you can pass on words of advice like, hey, yeah, I read this in this to your teammates. Hey, I read this in this book. This helped me out. Maybe try it. Cool. Awesome. But don't go out broadcasting yourself as a, a, a mind guru or whatever they choose to call themselves and try to like make services and make money off of it. It's just it's all backwards and it makes the whole field kind of messy. So any way we can clean this up and get people to do it the right way, that's our goal. Yeah, and one of the other myths as well, sort of in sports psychology, is that you need to have a problem to see a sports psychologist and actually it goes in another way actually just kind of off the top of my head 
just because you see a sports psychologist, it doesn't mean you have a problem as well. And that's another thing where sometimes athletes don't want to go see a sports psychologist because it then means that they've got a problem. And that's just not the case. And especially, especially because sport is quite, it is dominated by men. And again, this kind of area around men's mental health and things, and it's almost like this stigma and almost feeling ashamed about going to see a sports psychologist. But again, you don't need to have a problem to see a sports psychologist. It can prevent you from actually, you know, from like breakdowns or going into sort of a mental health issue where you might then have to see a, a clinical psychologist. So, yeah, so sports psychology is almost that kind of, it prevents you and it helps you to have a tool in place to then help you to grow, to manage stress, to manage just the pressure that you're under. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very similar to like the clinical side where you, you feel like you have to hit rock bottom or hit an issue to, to figure it out where this stuff can be used very proactively. You know, the earlier this stuff is instituted and kind of permeates through a program, then the athletes, the coaches, everybody has these tools that they can use to help get through the rough patches and keep growing along the path of the season, their career, whatever it is. And so using this stuff early on is great. And it can be used, I guess, reactively. You know, if you are kind of hitting a roadblock, yeah, absolutely. Go see somebody and see how they can help. But don't feel like that's the only time. Yeah. Because then you're just trying to, you know, put the pieces back together after something's broken, where instead you can strengthen whatever it is first, so it's less likely to break down the road. Mm, Yeah, no, that's such a good point, actually. I like the way that you've said that, because, again, and you see that a lot in in mental health generally. It's, you know, when you start to feel like you've got these down days, then you can you know, then ask for help. But then if you leave it for too long, then sometimes it's hard to kind of then go back to how you want to feel. And there's almost this like continuum as well, where say if you're like super happy on one end and then you're super sad on the other, and then you've got this middle bit, like even if you're at the middle and you're not feeling either or, you can still then see a sports psychologist to then help you to then feel a certain way or to perform a certain way because you then have you know your performance and well-being is considered in that perspective um and yeah yeah and you know you you can have you can be in that middle point and not yeah you know feel like you can't not access the support I mean I remember one of my old lectures he used to say that even if like because I remember it that he said that you know oh maybe if you want it to see a counselor you should but I thought, oh no I don't think I need to and then he was like yeah but you, you there's no criteria that that's the thing there's no criteria yeah. you can you can just see one it will ben- it will only benefit you to reach out for that support um because you know because it is literally a judgmental space a non-judgmental space um but then this kind of then goes into how much a sports psychologist can do and can't do. So yeah, there's yeah. a few more great it's, areas. <laughs> yeah, it it's something that can be used at like any, you know, cross section in your career, anytime. It's always helpful. 
But like I said, if we're not careful, this is going to be like a three hour episode that no one's going to listen to. And we've definitely hit that time by now. We scratched the surface of like the myths and the misconceptions that are out there in our world. Um, but hopefully like some of these, you know, have given you something to kind of look, look out for and understand like the work we do a little bit better, because like you said, this is still like a young field. Like a lot of people are still super unfamiliar with it. So our goal with, you know, this show is to take some of that away, let you guys understand what we do, how we can help, you know, the stuff athletes go through. So I hope you guys enjoyed this first season and we really look forward to seeing you back for the next one.